0: This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. We're very pleased to note that as promised on last week's show, we're going to be speaking this week with David K. Johnston, the author of Free Lunch, how the wealthiest Americans enrich themselves at government expense and stick you with the bill. Mr. Johnson has won the Pulitzer Prize for his efforts, which have included the previous bestseller, Perfectly Legal, the covert campaign to rig our tax system to benefit the super rich and cheat everybody else. We suggest you stick around for segment two. We don't think you'll be disappointed. We'd also like to forward promote for next week's program when we will be speaking with the immortal Willie Brown. Willie Brown should need no introduction to uh, listeners in Northern California, having been the Speaker of the Assembly. In fact, he had the longest tenure ever as the Speaker of the Assembly, and was also later the Mayor of San Francisco. Willie Brown will be coming to Sacramento on the 19th of February as part of the California Lecture Series, and we will have him on next week's program in advance of that. We do note that Michael Krasny of the Forum program on KQED beat us to Mayor Brown and was able to clarify something that appeared in the Sacramento News and Review a few weeks back uh, reported by our our good pal Cosmo Garvin over there that uh, Willie Brown was considering a run for the mayorship of Sacramento. This apparently was a bit of whimsy that got out of control. Willie Brown, in fact, uh, does not have any significant interest in being the mayor of Sacramento, which is too bad, because Sacramento does need a capable mayor. And in our third segment today, we're going to speak with Alyssa Lynn. Alyssa currently works for the state of California as a meteorologist, and we'll have a thing or two to say about uh, our weird weather that we've had this winter. But let us commence the show, as we like to do, with On This Date in History, which in our case today is February 7th. And by the way, there was a recent story about uh, treasure, Spanish galleon treasure being fought over out in the Atlantic. And it so happens that uh, our producer is the only person I know who's ever actually recovered items from a sunken Spanish galleon. And he'll be talking to us about that sometime in the weeks to come. Isn't that right, Mr. McMillan? Perhaps. Perhaps. But anyway, speaking of ships, it was on this date in 1788 that a flotilla of British ships bearing 730 transported convicts and 250 free persons established a settlement along the southeast coast of Australia in Sydney Cove. That settlement would grow into the city of Sydney. Now we should note that our Australia correspondent Peter Donahue says they actually celebrate January 26th as the date upon which Australia was founded. So we're going to go down to Sydney ourselves, uh, probably next week or the week after, and see if we can't clarify that. And uh, continuing on, on February 7th in 1914, English actor Charlie Chaplin debuted his Little Tramp character in Kid Races in Venice. At least that was the first appearance of the baggy, pantsed fellow with the mustache, bowler hat, and cane that would become Chaplin's trademark. And I know that some of our younger listeners perhaps are unfamiliar with the work of uh, Charlie Chaplin, and I think that is a darn shame, because uh, per this correspondent, when it comes to movie comedy, there's Charlie Chaplin, and there's everybody else. And if you've never checked out his work, and admittedly some of the early stuff is grainy and it's not well photographed and it looks amateurish, but if you haven't checked it out, do yourself a favor and do so. And it was on this date, February 7th, in 1964, that the Pan Am Yankee Clipper Flight 101 from London's Heathrow Airport landed at New York's Kennedy Airport and Beatlemania arrived in the United States. This was the first visit to the United States by the Beatles. A British rock and roll quartet, in case you don't know, that had just scored its first number one U.S. hit with, I Wanna Hold Your Hand. Kennedy, the Fab Four, dressed in mod suits and sporting their trademark punch bowl haircuts, were greeted by 3,000 screaming fans who caused a near riot when the boys stepped off the plane and onto American soil. And we'll have more to say about the Beatles in our third segment today. Our quote of the day comes from E.B. White, who once said, Whatever else an American believes or disbelieves about himself, he is absolutely sure he has a sense of humor. Actually, let's make that our quip of the day and make our quote of the day the following from Samuel Butler. Life is the art of drawing sufficient conclusions from insufficient premises. And no, he was not in Nostradamus fashion (laughs) looking ahead to the 2008 U.S. presidential election. Our stat of the day comes from USA Today slash Gallup poll that noted that when asked how President Bush compared with the past several presidents, 28% of Americans rate him as either one of the very best or better than most. 29% consider Bush not as good as most, while 41% rate him definitely worse than most. By way of comparison, uh, President Bill Clinton was rated by 71% as good and 24% as bad. Hmm, let me think. Which one was the one they impeached? All right, let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to The Week magazine, it was a good week this week for getting even after a New Jersey cop who retired after feuding with the police chief spent his last day writing tickets for 14 police cars with expired inspection stickers. Said Officer Frank Holden, he was just doing his job. It was conversely a bad week for nervous flyers. After the co-pilot of an Air Canada flight from Toronto to London apparently began speaking loudly to himself and acting in a peculiar manner in the cockpit and had to be restrained by several people. The plane landed in Ireland and the co-pilot was taken to an acute psychiatric unit. And finally, it was an ugly week last week for Craigslist. After Anne-Marie Linscott of Grand Rapids, Michigan allegedly posted a classified ad seeking quote silent assassins unquote to eradicate her married lover's wife according to police when one respondent asked what she meant by eradicate lynn scott wrote duh well to have her killed and folks we hasten to remind you as we should every so often you should be careful what you put into an email like to note at this juncture that every year on this program, in fact, in my case, every year long before there was this program, I've looked forward to Esquire Magazine's annual Dubious Achievements of the Year awards. And I am somewhat horrified to report that although it's been clear in recent years the magazine has not had their heart in it, it looks as though this current Dubious Achievement, which is the 47th annual uh, series of awards, may be the magazine's last. We think it's wrong, and we hope you, dear listener, will join us in trying to stop this. This would be a big mistake. So much of what you see on the Comedy Channel, the Colbert Report, the Daily Show, uh, what you see in The Onion week in and week out, owes a debt. To the guys that started all of this, the people at Esquire and their Dubious Achievements of the Year, which talk about real things that happen and then put hilarious headlines on top of them. Esquire itself noted that the oft-imitated fake headline format of the Dubious Achievements Award were started by Robert Benton and David Newman in 1962. And, and, you know, they, ju- they just can't stop this. You know, I don't have time to go. I'm, I'm not going to take time to go into some of the funny stuff uh, of, of this and other recent issues, but we'll return to that uh, in the weeks to come. Actually, no, I, I have to do at least one. All right, noting the real story that, um, that a fellow minister said that the disgraced Reverend Ted Haggart, who resigned his ministry after being implicated in a scandal involving a male prostitute, told him that after weeks of counseling, he was now completely heterosexual, which Esquire captioned, not counting the anal sex with men, of course. But uh, yeah, I mean, I would also like to direct your attention to the current issue of the Humor Times, which again, it, it shows the kind of humor that is a direct descendant of the dubious achievements of the year. In a, a section titled, Faux News, the following headlines were, <laughs> were presented on top of a picture of a rather confused looking George W Bush went the headline Bush may lack gene for human speech and above a, a picture of the DNA double helix was the headline researchers identify gene that leads to gene research and speaking of that genre we should bring back our friend Tom Burke sometime soon one of his recent headlines was Democrats responsible for entire disastrous Bush administration reign, says Rove. Noting Carl Rove today said the B- George Bush's presidency would have been a great success if Democrats had not forced Bush to make countless numbers of flawed decisions that had led the country down the path toward national disaster. And uh, speaking of uh, electoral politics, which we weren't, but I guess we need to do a little bit. We just had an election here, Super Tuesday. It wasn't terribly super, but it does seem to establish John McCain as the frontrunner, the guy who's who's really the odds-on favorite to be the Republican nominee, in spite of the fact that all of the Republican conservative talk show hosts across America seem to hate his guts. He is, after all, at least to some degree, a political reformer. Now, we're sorry to see the fact that uh, McCain uh, seems to think that the Iraq War is just a heck of a good idea and he wants to go in gung-ho for more of it. But ladies and gentlemen, we could do worse. (laughs) Think of Mike Huckabee, the man who doesn't believe in evolution. Listening to Christian radio the other day, which I don't do very often, but (laughs) once in a while, I learned that according to Christian fundamentalists, dinosaurs actually were in fact taken aboard Noah's Ark. And it was only afterward that the beasts went extinct. This was, of course, an awfully long time ago. In fact, probably as much as 4,000 years ago. But anyway, yeah. how is it that in this election year, you know, the, the election issue that's missing in action is Iraq? Is this not the elephant in the room that no one's talking about? I mean, as Dave Barry points out, the Republicans all seem to be wanting to have, a, you know, Ronald Reagan as their running mate. and And, and there seems to be a conditioning going on in America that, You know, one thing you can't believe is polls. Polls, by definition in America, they they just don't work. Now, we're not sure why statistical sampling and mathematics don't seem to apply to American polls, as they appear to do to everything else in the universe. But, uh, you know, we think it's just kind of a bad sign, a bit of a worrisome sort of look at the future, you know, like back in 2004 when a sampling of 78,000 shows a five and a half percentage point swing in the country's popular vote, a statistical anomaly that's a million to one shot. And if we start believing that just polls don't work, that means if there's, you know, an eight or 10 percentage point swing in the country, we'll just go, huh, well, dog got it. What is it about Americans just can't poll them? We will, of course, return to that topic in the future. Anyway, here's a news item we found somewhat encouraging. Dateline Los Angeles. President Bush cannot exempt the Navy from environmental laws banning sonar training that opponents argue harms whales, a federal judge ruled. Navy officials did not immediately respond to the ruling by U.S. District Judge Florence Marie Cooper. A spokesman for the Navy's Pacific Fleet said officials need time to review it. Now, the Bush-Cheney administration are, are, we think, big fans of ruling by decree. You know, something which I seem to recall we have, we had an American Revolution over. You know, we didn't, we didn't like the idea of you know monarchs just issuing law. But you know, I don't know. I'm not a historian. I, I could be wrong. But uh, W apparently signed a waiver on January 15th, exempting the Navy and its anti-submarine warfare exercises from a preliminary injunction creating a 12-mile, no-sonar zone off Southern California. The Navy's attorneys then argued in court that he was within his legal rights as president. But, uh, wrote Judge Cooper, the Navy is not exempted from compliance with the National Environmental Policy Act and this court's injunction. It is an excellent decision, said Joel Reynolds, attorney for the National Resources Defense Council, which is spearheading the legal fight. It reinstates the proper balance between national security and environmental protection. When he signed the exemption, Bush said complying with the law would undermine the Navy's ability to conduct realistic training exercises that are necessary to ensure the combat effectiveness of carrier and expeditionary strike groups. And we ought to take a minute to ask, how much use are we getting out of aircraft carriers in the war in landlocked Afghanistan? And I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, as far as I know, the United States Navy will not send any of its aircraft carriers into the Persian Gulf. Why? Well, apparently because they're so vulnerable to attack. So yes, we apparently park them out in the Indian Ocean, somewhere near Diego Garcia an island uh, we, we got from the British, and spend their time cruising around out there. I'm also pretty sure that submarine warfare hasn't been particularly useful in going up the Tigris River. And although the military keeps talking about how it needs to have these mobile strike forces to go anywhere in the world, we still keep wanting to build them around heavy tanks, heavy equipment, and the kind of thing that would be useful if we were going to go to war on land against the Soviet Union. Except the Soviet Union dissolved on December 31st in 1991. Has anyone informed the Pentagon of this? Anyway, let's take a short break. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. Stay tuned for David K. Johnston and his talk about how the wealthiest Americans are enriching themselves at government expense and sticking us with the bill.